This is a new voice for a new Scotland. It's Indy Talk Davy and a van the day. Right, let's batter on with the review of the week. And we'll start on Monday, the 30th of the 11th, 2020. Alright, Monday started on talk of a winter COVID one-off payment of 100 per child and receipt of free school meals for parents. So parents who are in receipt of free school meals and get the uniform allowance here in Scotland will get a £100 bonus per child this Christmas in order to help with winter hardship. Okay. Monday also started on speculation on the changes that will be made in Scotland's COVID tiers on Tuesday. We now know there wasn't any, okay. Although it was expected that Aberdeen and Aberdeenshire would go on tier 3 from tier 2, but it was left as it was. Alright, Aberdeen Football Club will be chuffed, although they they were submitting a 60-page 60 60 report on how they could get fans back into the stadium. But later in the week, that was kiboshed by the sports minister, okay. Right, Monday... Mass testing of the general public gets underway here in Scotland. There's been drive-through centres set up everywhere and the idea is to find the asymptomatic within communities to try and break the chains of transmission in this disease. Okay, in this disease. Okay. Now, Professor Alison Pollock of Newcastle University, a professor of public health, thinks that mass testing of the general population is a waste of bloody money. And she cites Liverpool as an example where 200,000 people were tested only to find an additional 700 positive cases. Professor Pollock says that was a waste of money. Jason Leach, on the other hand, seems to think that it's a good idea to find the asymptomatic and get them off the streets and get themselves isolating. He says it would be a wee further help in breaking the chains of transmission. All right. Monday. Brexit and border controls are back on the t- in the headlines, right? We only a month to go. It's reported that the ports are not ready for us leaving. And it turns out that the big lorry park in Kent is built in a floodplain. So they haven't completed it and it won't be completed until February. So there you go. The end of February before the, the stack rack and pack mob are ready to operate. But we drop out of the EU transition period on the 31st of December, stroke 1st of January. So what they're going to do with the trucks up until these parks are ready, nobody knows, all right. The National Office Audit Office said... Despite the UK government's progress, it still expects a massive disruption. The National Office, National Order Office also has grave concerns over Northern Ireland and the readiness of traders there. Well, that's no surprise, is it? We've spoken about this before. Northern Ireland still don't know what rules they're going to be operating under and that becomes more prevalent again on Thursday. All right, Monday, 25,000 jobs in the high street are on the line. Retail giants Debenhams which was going to be rescued by JD Sport, which it looks like JD Sports has pulled out, and the Arcadia Group are on the brink. All right. Philip Green's Arcadia Group, consisting of a short, uh, stores like Topman, Dorothy Perkins, Miss Selfridges, they're on trouble. Now, they should be able to sell off Topshop with the Topman and Top Woman ranges because they actually are profitable. But Selfridges and Dorothy Perkins looks like gone in the tubes, okay, and Debenham's gone and all could see 25,000 jobs lost on the high street. Right, Monday, a peeved off and hostile UK press went into full SMP bad mode, all right? It's today we, um £500 being announced for natty care workers, all right? The First Minister wants the £500 tax-free, but they're just not getting it, all right? 
Now, the First Minister on Monday was doing a series of television uh, interviews. The last day of the SNP conference, the theme for all the British nationalist media was a uh, England says not another referendum, so get it round your jock, get back in your box. Okay. The show call of Gikani, because we say so, is now the only line of defence they have done that road. That's it. That's all they've got. No, you can't, because we bloody well say so. The First Minister calmly tells the press it's up to the people of Scotland and democracy will win out. She points out Trump across the pond in America, where he tried to deny democracy and stay in office, and democracy swept him to the side as well. All right, so... The SNP gets battered into the media. The same thing happens on Tuesday, right enough, okay? So, you know, it's uh, the usual stuff. Scotland's crap, Scotland's wee, Scotland's too poor, Scotland's too stupid. Funny how England's the only place that can't stand that's saying two feet, but the rest is are called too wee, too stupid and too poor, eh? Except for the wee too, too poor and too stupid England who keep voting in idiots that destroyed their economy are totally dependent on Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland for food, energy, water, Human resources, the things I've talked about all the time, okay? So, it's not a case of Scotland too wee, too poor, too stupid. It's a case of England's day bottle stone that's in two feet and it's skint and it has got nothing to offer the rest of the world except for banking services and the banking services are fleeing London at a rapid rate of bloody knots, okay? Right, Monday, the rifts in the Conservative Party, um, get uh, wider. Our Westminster's plan to reintroduce tier systems after the lockdown finishes on the 2nd of December in England. Okay. Now, there's talk of a massive rebellion when uh, the tiered system goes to a vote in the House of Commons on Tuesday. Okay. So, the Tory MPs are not happy with restrictions being countywide because the towns and, and the cities and the counties might have COVID, but the villages and the rest of the counties tend not to. So, they want the tiered system introduced in smaller measures, restricting to towns and cities and leaving the rest of everybody else to go on with it. Not going to happen, of course. Bojo's relying on Labour to get him past the post here, and he probably will, but it'll be highly embarrassing for him, all right? Monday, First Minister Nicola Sturgeon brings her party's digital conference to a close with a keynote speech. The First Minister announced a £100 million fund to help fight poverty and loneliness over the winter. A £100 per child for families in receipt of a free school meals, £25 million to get pensioners and the elderly online, £500 thank you for the, the, the NHS and adult social care workers. Other measures to relieve poverty this winter, especially fuel poverty, are being put in place via the local authorities. Okay, now, First Minister says we have to keep our eye on the ball, keep our eye on the prize, keep active, get out there and keep convincing people. Alright, although the polls are looking favourable, we're a long way out for the election. Okie dokie, let's move on to Tuesday. The 1st of December, okay. Tuesday starts off with wall-to-wall coverage of the First Minister's conference closing speech and the measures introduced in it. The £500 one-off thank you bonus for health and social care workers for the SMA, from the SNP uh, Scottish Government is, of course, welcome. And it makes big headlines. And it's a good bit of politicking, right? But as I said in the Monday speculation, the First Minister has asked Westminster to bypass tax and national insurance on these bonuses so that the lower-paid health and social care workers get the complete 500 quid. A false stushy Brexit or that, right? An absolute massive stushy Brexit or that. 
with Westminster, of course, refusing. But it didn't matter. It's a cracking piece of politics for the First Minister because up here in Scotland, people can see a caring and social conscious government, whereas down that road, they've got a sort um, public sector freeze and nurses are getting nothing. They get clapped for and that was it. At least up here, there's a tangible thing happening that gave them a wee reward for it. None of these wee green badges they had to pay two quid for down that road. All right. So it was a clever bit of politicking by the First Minister, and it made her government look good, right? And the other thing about it was, if you give low-paid workers money, they spend it into the economy, right? And it helps boost your economy. And boy, Christ, does our high streets need it by Christ, eh? We've just talked about 25,000 people getting laid off, right? So anyway, Tuesday, the Scottish Tories tried to claim responsibility for that £500 bonus, by claiming the money was all coming for the Treasury in London. But it, well, of course, income tax and such like is devolved. It's just the money goes to London prior to coming back here, where they take their cut first. All right. Now, the Scottish Tories were ridiculed on social media. The Tories down the road in, in England they said Scotland, they up the amount of money they're going to give to cover that to his 500 quid. So that would take it for 500 quid to the UK, the Scottish government having to pay each worker 625 quid so that they would get a 50, a 500 quid net. Alright, problem with that is of course the Scottish government's got limited funds through the block grant and of course it would take two years to get that money back. It would be 2022's budget before the money came back to Scotland. So that would deplete the Scottish government's resources. The easiest thing to do of course is for the Tories just to waive this as a one-half but they're not going to. Alright, so, you know, the Tories, they're being shown up for what they are. I mean, this is the, this is the government that's a wrecked the welfare state system, introduced the bedroom tax, introduced the rape clause. What makes the Scottish government think they were going to give tax relief on that 500 quid for health and social care workers? Mental. I mean, but you think about the taxes that they take down there that have got nothing to do with income tax. You know, things like alcohol duty, fuel duty, VAT export and import taxes, they actually skin a fortune out of Scotland, don't they? And, and then the gears the jails to tell us how poor and how stupid and how skint we are. Right? The UK economy, the last figures I've got for the UK economy were from 2017-2018. Uh, the Scotland's economy was worth £210 billion with a balance of trade surplus. The UK economy for the same year as a whole was worth £990 billion with a 9% balance of trade deficit. Right. Do the sums yourself, folks. Scotland's definitely no skint. Too pure, too wee, or too stupid. All right. So, you know, if you take 220 billion, uh, 210 billion in economy in Scotland, and you subtract that for the 990 billion, which is the complete UK economy, then Scotland's just shy of a quarter of the UK economy. So, the reason why England's trying so hard, by the way, this is no way oil and gas joint, uh, added in, by the way. But, eh, uh, if you take that, they were England's desperate hold on is Scotland is a quarter of the UK economy. A quarter. They were not the hold on is the poor buggers down that road are scant. As I say, those they've got is banking services and they're fleeing. They, they run a service industry down there. They don't have a balanced economy. They need to sort their bloody economy out and get it balanced up. Alright. Tuesday. Results of the National Executive Election are in. Stuart Stevenson is the new NEC National Secretary and Mike Russell becomes the new SNP president. Alright. There's a lot of ins and outs and the press the press are looking at this and saying it's a problem for Nicola Sturgeon. But I don't think it is. 
before she had a split NEC, with half pawn on her one way, half pawn on the other way, now she's got a majority wanting to get independence done. All right. So, you know, a lot of the woke would disappear due to the NEC, and it would appear that the, national, the Scottish National Party members, like ourselves, have taken the party back. All right, so independence is definitely back on front and centre of the National Executive for the Scottish National Party. All right. Tuesday. Scotland's first commercial gold mine start, it starts to operate. The mine at Cornish in the Lomond and Trossachs National Park has been uh, in existence for 30 years, but because of gold prices, it never really got half a gun, right? Now that gold prices are high, then they're getting half the gun. And of course, Scotland's gold's a wee bit purer and wee bit more valuable than gold for other parts of the world, right? Scotland's gold trades at a much higher cost. For example, um, Scott Gold, who run the mine, they'd taken 10 ounce, 10 ounce rounds, 10 one ounce rounds to the market in 2016. The gold price at the time was 1200 quid, but those 10 four, uh, one, ounce, uh, one ounce rounds sold for 4000 450 quid a pop because that's how rare Scottish gold is. Alright, anyway, so it's up and running and if we want to keep the revenues fair, we better get bloody independence quick. Okay, Tuesday, the committee looking into the mishandling of the complaints against Mr Salmon heard for two civil servants, alright. The inquiry was told that the women involved in the allegations did not wish it to be a police matter. Nicola Richards told the inquiry it had not been uh, the preference of the complainants for the matter to be referred to Police Scotland. It came to light that the matter was referred to uh, Police Scotland by Scotland's chief civil servant, Leslie Evans. So there you have it, folks. The case should never have went ahead. The women didn't think they were winning the case. They knew they were being bullshitted. Right. Right, Tuesday afternoon, the First Minister updated the Parliament on COVID restrictions, it was expected that Aberdeen and Aberdeenshire were going to move up a tier into a tier three, but there was no change, right? After the First Minister's update, when Ruthie, S, uh, Ruthie Bar she took some questions, all right. After her update, she took some questions. Baroness Ruthie Tank Commander went on school holidays and the lack of clarity on whether the schools were going to shut early and open later. The First Minister says they had to come to a decision and this decision would be announced at some point this week, right? Bouncy boy Richard Leonard went on the £500 um, bonus for healthcare workers, right? The bouncy boy claims that other key workers would feel abandoned and feel neglected by the government. All right, now I spoke about this in the Tuesday. I was a key worker during the first lockdown. My wife's a key worker. None of us I don't think any is resent giving the money to health and social care workers because, let's face it, they were really on the front line. The rest is were taking a risk, but they people were putting their lives on the line and a good few of them have lost their lives. So no, Richard's claim that everybody else would feel left out because health and social care workers were getting a bonus is just bunkum. Patrick Harvey went on concerns of over-infection rates as the economy opens up for Christmas. Now, I have to agree with Patrick here. I've said this a few times uh, this week. You know, opening up at Christmas is pure bloody madness, and Sarah and I won't be. We'll be staying in a wee bubble. We'll see um, the kids on Christmas morning, and probably we'll do that in the park if it's dry enough. And then the kids will go back to their parents' uh, house, and they'll have Christmas dinner, and Sarah and I will go back to your house and have Christmas dinner. All right. 
But Patrick Harvey's right to be concerned because, as health officials have pointed out, the piper's going to need paid, and unfortunately for me, the the price is too high because the piper's going to need paid in blood here and human lives, and I don't think Christmas is worth it. There's a vaccine around the corner. We have Christmas every year. We can just bloody well postpone it this week, this year, and keep our friends and family alive. All right. We will in any went on the rise in virus levels in Aberdeen and care homes. The First Minister said that Jean Freeman had already set out the new regulations for care homes and laid out how care home visitors were to be tested. All right. Tuesday, down that road, it's reported that the Tories are about to introduce legislation to constrain the powers of the courts to interfere in constitutional matters and to constrain judicial review of government policy. The legislation will be introduced in the new year. All right, but we've known this is coming. So basically what they're doing is they're making Westminster the final arbitrator on constitutional matters and they're restricting our ability as private citizens or as pressure groups to take the UK government to court if laws that they pass impinge on our human rights. That'll no matter because the human rights are going to Monday right after January anyway, okay. Tuesday, the Pfizer vaccines receives approval for use in the UK. Right, the government's new tier system in England comes into play on Tuesday as well, alright. Or it's approved on Tuesday to be coming to play on Wednesday. So that's basically Tuesday roundup. Pojo got his tier system through the Commons, but he needed the opposition parties to help him get it through. Because he got his bum kick with his own people. Right, moving on to Wednesday. Wednesday, and the day starts off with the five, 500 ministers, a 500 pound bonus for the first minister in the Scottish government to social care workers again. It's their army about the tax, so we're again, okay. Now, uh, Wednesday's also greater concern again for the high street, and that, this also comes up in Prime Minister's questions, alright. Anyway, Wednesday, are you right? Stoosie's broken out of this 500 pound bonus and the uh, tax thing, right? And as I've already said on Tuesday, because this was a theme that ran through Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday because of the First Minister's closing speech at the conference, the Tories are no plain. Scotland has to up that bonus to 625 quid if social care workers are to get a £500 full net in their bank accounts. And, of course, Scotland will then have to wait to 2022 to get the tax back. All right. Moving on, Wednesday. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon announces the rollout of the COVID vaccine to start in Scotland from the 8th of December. Miss Sturgeon warned the people of Scotland that this was not over and to stick to the rules. She stated the rollout of the vaccine will be a massive logistical undertaking and it will take time to complete. She also stated that she could see light at the end of the tunnel and that uh, today, being Wednesday of course, um, felt like the horrible experience of 2020 was coming to an end, all right? She's see light at the end of the tunnel. Wednesday, Matt Hancock claimed that Brexit was the reason the UK could approve the Pfizer vaccine so quickly. This was echoed by Brexiteer MPs Jacob Rees-Mogg and Nadine Doris, all right? And many other Brexiteer uh, Tory MPs. But every single fact checker in the United Kingdom was on it, like a flash. And uh, it became clear that the UK did the, um, did leave the EU officially in January 2020. But we're still in, a, we're still in a transition period. 
and we're still under the EU regulations. Okay, so even the the UK's own medical um, approvals authority, the MHRA, said that the vaccine was approved under the EMA, the European's Medical Authority, right? Now, it turns out that under the EMA, the European Medical Approvals Authority, and Section 174 of its legislation, nation states can fast-track medicines for use in their own nations without at first having had EU approval, dependent on public health needs and on public health, health emergencies. So Matt, Matt Hancock, Jacob Rees-Mogg, Nadine Doris and many other Tory MPs are shown up to be bloody liars because it wasn't fast-tracked because of Brexit. It was fast-tracked under the EMA, the European Medicals Authority's Rule 176. All right. Wednesday, the 15th poll in a row showed that independence is the settled will of the Scottish people. Right. The Ipsos Mori poll found support for independence at 56%. And that in the polling for next year's Scottish elections, the SNP are polling at 55% of the constituencies and 47% in the list. On that translation by Ipsos Mori, that would give the SNP 73 MSPs an outright majority in the Scottish Parliament, right? The Tories are polling at 22% in the constituency and in the, the list. Labour, and that would give them 27 seats. The Red Tories are on 14% in the polls, which would give Labour 19 seats. The Greens, the Lib Dems, are both predicted to pick up five seats each. Once again, the new parties of whatever hue have made no impact in the polls. There's even a new party that's just been launched and its single manifesto pledge is to do away with the Scottish Parliament. But as the Scottish Parliament has an 82% approval rating here in Scotland, I don't think they'll be picking up any votes. All right. But see, this polling stuff, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Davey says, eyes on the prize, because we're a long way out for this election and things can change very, very quickly. And if the polling trends remain the same, then we will see the full might of the UK state and the corrupt mainstream media take aim at Scotland and its population and its government. So it might be sitting at 56% for yes right now, and it might be sitting at 55% tending to vote for the SNP right now, but that could change, and probably will. I have to say that Bernard Ponsonby did an absolutely cracking article on whether the SNP could be toppled or no on Wednesday. Uh, you get it on the SNP website, absolutely fantastic insight because he points out that they were they were hoping that the Alex Salmon case would bring down the SNP, they were hoping that COVID would bring down the SNP, but the SNP have charted its way through all these things really, really well, and it doesn't seem to have affected public opinion of the leadership or the party. Ponsonby also points out, by the way, that it's no just what the SNP are doing, it's the fact that the opposition, the cuckoos in the nest, are totally bloody inept. Nobody sees them as a voting prospect. Nobody sees them as a viable government here in Scotland, right? Okay, moving on. Wednesday, Prime Minister's questions was on doing in the House of Crooks, the Commons, right? Starmer went on the vaccine, tackling anti-vaxxers on social media and the problems on the high street. Bojo and Starmer have a love-in. No accident there, actually, because Starmer's one of Bojo's biggest fans. All right. Next up was Ian Blackford, SNP. Um, leader at Westminster, 
And he went on lack of support for 3 million self-employed UK citizens. Mr Blackford said he had a recent meeting with uh, a pressure group excluded UK and the pressure group's leadership had told Mr Blackford that over the last 10 days prior to him speaking to them, eight of their members had committed suicide because of mounting debts and the lack of support for the UK government. So there you have it, folks. All right. Anyway, Bojo's apply was, there's plenty of, well, Bojo said there was uh, provisions in place for mental health, um, but he could only speak for England. And then he said nobody had been left behind because the benefit system was there and there was uh, grants and funding and that. A lot of crap. You know, as we know, thousands and thousands of freelance artists and journalists and other self-employed workers have had nothing. In fact, if I remember right, artists were told to go and retrain, weren't they? You know, the ballet dancer get told to go and retrain as a, a call centre operative or something stupid. Right. Anyway, Bojo was sorry to hear about the suicides and he said there's support there, but you, me and everybody else knows that this heartless Tory government has massacred 200,000 UK citizens through universal credit and the reducement of PIP's payment for the disabled. So there you have it. 210,000 UK citizens have popped their clogs unnecessarily under this government under the last 12 years of austerity. Right. Wednesday, the English complete lockdown comes to an end and the English move back into a three-tier COVID restriction structure with 99% of England and the two highest tier levels. Right. Now, you've got to remember, Bojo had tightened up the tier level, so if you're in tier three down there, you're more or less in a full lockdown. Okay, a bit like tier four up here. Okay, Wednesday. Brexit negotiations are back in the news. UK and EU negotiators have been working flat out and late into the night. It's rumoured that there could be a threadbare deal in place by Friday. That comes up again in the Thursday part of the show, so <laughs> that didn't last long in the press, I can assure you. Right. But as I keep saying, I don't think there'll be a deal. There's, that doesn't look like there's going to be a deal. Right. Wednesday, back here in Scotland, a World War II mine was found in the Firth of Clyde. The mine was discovered by the crew of a Marine Scotland research vessel. Seven crew members from the, ves the Marine Scotland vessel were evacuated. The vessel was sailed to the Isle of Butte, where the Royal Navy carried out a controlled explosion on the mine. Lieutenant Commander Mark Shaw of the Navy Northern Diving Group said the mine was in remarkable condition considering it had been on the seabed for 80 years. There's a Davy says bit comes in here. Davy says, this is bloody concerning. Our whole nuclear fleet is based in the Firth of Clyde. You know what I mean? What if that thing had popped up and banged into one of these bloody subs with its nuclear reactor and weapons on board? There'd have been an almighty bloody bang which would have wiped out off the west of Scotland. I think maybe they should have a wee look and see what's doing there while these bloody subs are sailing in and out. It's bad enough that they're transporting these missiles through our towns and cities by road to get them to Fazlane and Coldport. But now it turns out the Firth of Clyde has got bloody World War II munitions on the bed here. Nuts. Thursday started with all the rags going on the approval of the Pfizer vaccine for use by the MHRA and the medicines regulator here in the UK. So immunisation programmes are due to start on the 8th of December across these islands, all right? Social media is full of speculations on the safety of the vaccine. And a fair few people are stating that they won't be getting immunised. I won't be advising people whether they should take the vaccine or no. That's up to them. 
I've seen a lot of things flying about saying that it's dangerous to pregnant women and things like that. I don't know. I haven't seen the evidence. I haven't seen any of the reports yet. I'm waiting on Pfizer releasing their data. I'm waiting on the MHRA releasing their data. Apparently the data will be released on the 15th of December. Right. Thursday, Education Secretary John Swinney tells Holyrood Parliament Education Committee that the school holidays will not be extended and uh, the schools will not be closing early, right? So the original school diet will go ahead, right? So schools will shut on the 23rd to 24th of December and they'll reopen between the 5th and 7th of January. Mr Swinney said it's safer to have the kids in school and, of course, there's the issue of childcare because parents will be back to work. All right, right, Thursday, owner of one of the biggest, of the UK's biggest import and export businesses, Andover, tells James O'Brien on London Broadcasting Channel that uh, after discussions between the industry body and the EU-based hauliers and EU freight companies, it would appear that after Brexit they're going to cut sever all ties with the UK. So rather than having huge queues of trucks trying to get in and out for Europe and the UK, According to this fella who owns this bloody huge import-export company based in Dover, he's saying the trucks are not coming. He says the UK economy is about to crash because there's not going to be anybody packing in and up for the UK to take it across Europe and beyond. Because he points out that the biggest haulage companies in the EU are based in Lithuania, Poland and Romania and they just ain't sending their drivers here because their drivers are paid per kilometre and they can't be sitting about for 10 to 24 hours at a time waiting to clear customs posts. So according to this a shipping expert and the guy who owns a big import-export company, they're not coming. The UK is going to be cut off. He then goes on to explain about the sort of driving permits. They would need the permits they need to, to transport their goods through each border as it goes through. And he says it's just not worth their while. It's not worth it. They won't make any money. And their drivers would just quit and go work elsewhere, because there's a, a huge shortage of drivers in the EU the same way there is in the UK. Now, I am a driver. UK-wide, we're short of 20,000 drivers. UK-wide, we're short of 20,000 drivers. Right? So you take the something the size of the EU. For drivers in the EU to get new employment, it's not going to be difficult. So they are no coming. Drivers won't make money. So if you want to hear that full interview, it's on my timeline, thanks to one of the viewers, Colin, Colin Mackay who made me aware of the, the interview as we were chatting in a thread. So it looks like the UK is going to be cut off and isolated. And one of the things this guy said was, he said, was, hey, Brexiteers were talking about rather eating uh, stewed grass as opposed to being in the EU. Well, what this guy who runs this massive import-export company said is, they might bloody well get the chance because nobody's bringing nothing and nobody's taking nothing out. Right. Thursday, Brexit talks stall as Jacob Rees-Mogg tells the UK press that the internal market bills, law-breaking clauses removed from the internal market bill and the House of Lords will be restored in the House of Commons next week. Michel Barney, the EU's chief negotiator, tells the UK that if the law-breaking clauses are reintroduced when the bill re-enters the Commons next week, then there will be no deal. But we knew that. The European Parliament has already stated quite categorically the UK, the EU Parliament stated categorically that they will not rubber stamp any arrangement came to by any trade deal arranged by the EU Commission and the negotiators and the UK 
if the UK keep the law-breaking clauses in the Internal Market Bill. All right. Now, as well as law-breaking clauses in the Internal Market Bill, the UK press start speculate on Thursday that the new finance bill to be introduced in the Commons next week will also have law-breaking clauses in it, which would break the international norms on how finance, financial affairs are conducted across Europe and across the world, right? So there's a theme doing that bloody road, right? Doing that road, the, uh, the, the, the law-breaking has become the norm. Right, we've got the internal market bill. We've got the restriction of the judiciary. With the, uh, with the they're not going to break international financial agreements as well. Looks like they're going full-blown Singapore of the West. Tax haven UK, here it comes. Right, Thursday, another big blow to Bojo and his mad Brexiteers doing that road. All right. President-elect Joe Biden tells the international community that trade deals and trade talks are low down on his list of priorities as he intends to invest in the US internal market to get the US economy moving again after the COVID pandemic. Mr Biden has already stated as well that there would be no deal with the UK if the UK persists with the law-breaking clauses of the internal market bill. And as we've just heard, Jacob Rees-Mogg has made it clear that those law-breaking clauses will be reinserted in the Commons next Tuesday. So... Bojo and his Brexiteers are watching everything fodding about their necks. The whole Brexit project is falling apart, and what's their answer? Their answer is to take complete control of everything into the hands of number 10, and it's probably one of the reasons why that place down that road will continue in the highest levels of lockdown tiers, so that they can try and control the population down there when Brexit bloody well hits. Because as I've said before, I can see civil unrest in that road. Because we're not just looking at maybe one or two million additional people losing their job. We're looking at nine, ten million people losing their job. And if we go with what this boy was telling a London broadcasting channel or a um, service, LBC and James O'Brien, then we might be looking as high as 12 or 15 million people losing their jobs. All right. Right, Thursday, lunchtime. First Minister's questions in Hollywood. Ruthie Baroness, tank commander, goes on... The freezing and storing and distribution of the vaccine. The First Minister said that all health boards will be given facilities to store and freeze this vaccine. And, of course, the role of the vaccine where the First Minister said that we must take vaccination centres because of the way this vaccine is going to be handled and prepared. Apparently, the vaccine comes in two veils. It's going to be mixed before administered. All right. Next, Ruthie went on how the vaccine would be deployed. And then, Ruthie went on, how do you get the vaccine into all folks' homes? First Minister covers it the best she can. As she said, we are looking at it. The vaccine is only, only just arriving. We need to look at the characteristics of this vaccine to be able to see what we can do with this vaccine. All right. OK, next up was Richard Hu, the Red Tories, and he went on the vaccination programme again, and he got the same bloody answers. Right. And he also wants the Health Minister Gene Freeman to resign because he said the role of the flu vaccine this year to 2.5 million Scots was a bloody shambles. And he might well have a point, actually. But because of COVID, you couldn't just pop on your GP and get a jab. So you had to go to mass vaccination centres set up. And uh, it took a while to sort out. But the, the experience of how the flu vaccine was rolled out this year should help make it easier to roll out. 
the COVID vaccine. Okay, right. After Bouncy Boy got his bum scalp, Patrick Harvey was up next. The Greens. Now, Patrick, once again, he went on misinformation for anti-vaxxers and the school holidays. He's also concerned of a third wave after relaxing the rules at Christmas. Well, so the public health officials, and so are we all. As I say, you've already heard me say that the price to pay the piper is way too high. Patrick's right. People behave the way we expect them to behave our Christmas and New Year. Then we're going to lose an awful lot of lives in January and the beginning of February. It's a price that's just too high to pay, folks. Have a digital Christmas. Have a safe Christmas. All right. We were anyway on next year's exam diet because of COVID. He wants the national hire scrap and the First Minister says they're flexible on it and they'll keep an eye on it. Larry Flanagan of EIS was on BBC Radio Scotland this morning saying he wants the exams cancelled and all because once the prelims are done, you know, then you're running into the, the exam diet properly. Davy says if the prelims are done, that'll give us a foresight into how well some of these students are going to do. Right. Thursday, after First Minister's questions, Health Secretary Gene Freeman sets out how the vaccine would be rolled out to Parliament. All right. Who will get it first and how they're going to sort out the problems with care homes? Okay. Anyway, NHS workers, the, the first batch will be 65,000 vaccines and it'll be going to NHS workers and, and health and social care workers who work in care homes first. Well, they work out how to get it into care homes to the patients. As I've already said, the characteristics of this vi virus as pointed out by the First Minister, it's a difficult thing to handle. It's going to be stored at minus 80. Uh, it's going to be mixed on site before it's administered. So there's a lot of complications in how you get it to care homes to get it to residents. Obviously, as has been pointed out by public health experts, you know, some of the residents in these care homes are too sick to be moved from the care homes to mass vaccination centres to get vaccinated, all right? Thursday, by fab to go into administration after the Scottish Government removed state aid. Gordon Brown was pulled out of his crap to shout SNP bad. Now, Gordon Brown says this is a bloody disaster. Gordon Brown says he wants the UK Government and the Scottish Government to sit down and work out a plan to save BIFAB. But as we know, the UK Government has got no interest in saving Scottish businesses because it wants Scotland on its knees, because that way you can claim we're too wee, too poor and too stupid to look after ourselves. All right. So, clunking fist who is still apparently active in Fife, don't know why, he's not a public servant, he's just a pain in the neck. He wants the UK and Scottish government to sit down and work out and devise a plan to save Bifab. No going to happen, folks. We'll move on to what the papers are going to see, all right? The eye goes on, vaccine arrives in the UK. So apparently the vaccine has started arriving at our shores, all right? The Scottish Daily Field goes on, care homes will be first in line for the vaccine. Well, as we've just heard, that might not be the case because it's complicated. It's got to do with the characteristics of the vaccine, getting it to care homes, mixing it in the care homes and administrating it in the care homes. All right. The time goes on. Elderly care homes jab after Pfizer assures British politicians that the, the vaccine's safe to be moved into care homes. Right. The Metro goes on. Winter arrives white on time. That's got to do with the weather and the snow. And it goes on. Gaffin Gavin at it again. Education Secretary Gavin Williamson apparently claimed the reason why the UK has a, has the vaccine first is because the UK is a better country than anybody else. Man, the man's a bloody idiot. You know what I mean? That's a UK exceptionalism for you, British exceptionalism for you, right? The sun goes on, vaccine confusion. Get to the point on jabs. And this has to do with the fact that the First Minister said one thing 
and the Scottish Parliament, the first, uh, first Minister's questions, and Jean Freeman seemed to correct it when she addressed the Parliament after First Minister's questions when she was talking about the role of the COVID vaccine. Right, the Scotsman goes on, stay away from A&E unless illness is life-threatening. All right, now what that's actually about is that the Scottish Government are trying to introduce a policy right now, whereas if it's no life-threatening, you phone NHS 24 and they will tell you where to go and a sort of triage on, on uh, by phone sort of thing. All right, but uh, the Scotsman's sensationalising it and telling you you can't go to A&E. That's the case. The idea is that if it's no life-threatening, you know, you phone NHS 24 and they will direct you to maybe a minor minor incidence unit somewhere in your health board area or they'll direct you to the hospital or your GP. Okay. The Herald goes on, 250 million GP practice revamp fails to meet 2021 deadline. Of course it fails to meet 2021 deadlines. We're in the middle of a bloody pandemic. The building industry was shut down for months. Idiots. The Telegraph goes on. Brexit deal online over French fishing. No, it's no. Brexit deals online over the internal market bill. Never mind the bloody fishing. The Daily Looney tunes rag. The Express goes on. What a cheek. EU blocks talks at 11th hour. The EU's done nothing. Jacob Rees-Mogg is the one that put the spanner on the works by saying that we're going to put the elite, the, uh, the international law breaking clauses back into the internal market bill. So, you know, but it is... The Daily Express, after all, are the right-wing loonies. Absolute nutters. The record goes on. Fake book. All right. Now, apparently, a gang of Scottish mums are running a fake luxury good business on social media. We con women. Hey, up with nice wee ads. Buy this for your Christmas. And you send them your money and there's bloody nothing there getting sent back to you. Right. The National goes on. Revealed how BBC journals shut out Scottish MPs. What this has got to do with is BBC journalists apparently are following mere English MPs on Twitter than what they are Scottish MPs on Twitter. Well, there is mere English MPs and what there is Scottish MPs. And Scottish MPs don't really make an impact on that bloody road. It's time we brought them up the road. Right. Now, the star, wait for it, folks. The star does its, the star does its proud today, folks. This one had me smiling for ear to bloody ear. All right. Now, the star goes on. Could 2020 get any stranger as Hitler wins election, right? Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Now, apparently a politician called Adolf Hitler has won a seat in the Namibian parliament, all right? So, Adolf Hitler in Namibia wins a seat, all right? Wins the election. Yeah, you know, the stars are brilliant, eh? How did they fight out? I mean, who would have just... You know, where did they find this out for? No. Well, we got Hitler. Hitler winning elections in Namibia. He couldn't make it up. It's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Right, folks, I say I was going to bat through this today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found it informative. I hope you found it entertaining. As usual, facts. Be courteous to your friends, your neighbours and your community and observe facts. All right. It's no biggie to put a face covering on when you get into the show to pick up your fags, your paper, your milk, whatever. All right. So, face coverings and enclosed public spaces. Avoid large gatherings. Well, as you know, we're not allowed them anyway. Clean hands and surfaces regularly. Two metre social distancing when you're out and about. And book a test if you need one. And remember, folks, as Christmas comes up and things get open up and get a wee bit busier, be even more careful, OK? Because as I've said, the piper's going to need to be paid and he wants paid in human lives. 
the price is too bloody high. Have a nice weekend. Look after each other. Have a nice day. This is a new voice for a new Scotland. And then I got a radio.